Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 21st, and our chapter for today is Ephesians chapter 1. Let's get right to it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus, he could have said the same thing to Colossae, to Laodicea, to Smyrna, to any of the churches that were in this immediate vicinity. Grace to you. Charis and Irene. If your name is Irene, then it means peace. It's the equivalent of shalom. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the Christos, the Anointed One. Now, in verse 3, the apostle, after his opening greeting, begins to bless God. Now, this is a great way to start a letter. This is a great way to start a life. This is a great way to start a morning. This is a great way to do whatever it is that we do is to always start in our prayers, anything else, in blessing God. The word is eulogetes in Greek. If I said that without the ending and soften the G, eulogetes, eulogy, a eulogy. Now, eulogy is when we say something good about people. It's usually at a funeral. Sad to say, it's usually after they're gone. But the word eulogy is a Greek word. When we say that, we're speaking Greek. EU is the prefix, which means good or well-pleasing. And the word logeo means to speak or to say. It means to say good things about someone, to bless someone. This is the way we are to live our lives, a life of blessing, not just be a blessing to others, but speak a blessing to one another. Oh, how our lives would change, how our homes would change, how our relationships with our friends and fellow followers of Jesus, if we would just learn to bless people, to say good things. And so Paul is caught up in blessing God. This is a great way to start a day. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus the anointed one, the Christos, who has blessed us, who has showered us with blessings, with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, in Christ. You're going to see this phrase over and over again in the early chapters of the book of Ephesians, where he says, we are in him. We are in Christ. We are in the heavenlies. On and on and on. The reason is this is our position in Jesus. We are in him. The moment you were saved, the moment I was saved, the moment we became followers of Jesus, truly repenting of our sins, placing our entire life, weight, commitment on him and to him. At that moment, we become part of the great body of Christ. That's right. We are baptized. We are baptizo. We are immersed, placed into the body of Christ. 
You say, well, I didn't feel that. Well, spiritual baptism is not something you feel. Now, some people would disagree with that. Those who believe that the baptism of the Spirit is some post-secondary experience past salvation. I do not believe that. I believe that the Scripture clearly teaches, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, we are all baptized. We were all, we were all baptized into the body of Christ by one spirit. Now, Paul was talking to carnal, acting like lost people, church members, members of the body of Christ who weren't acting like it, who weren't acting like they've had some second work of grace. No, the reason is the moment we're saved, we're placed into the body of Christ. Now, do I believe in a secondary work of grace? Yes, in a tertiary work of grace, a third work of grace, and an umpteenth work of grace. Why? Because every time we come under God's control, we come under God's spirit, that is a divine work of grace. Are there moments when we make leaps into our walk with God and progress in our walk with God? Yes, there are those times, but that's not what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just don't believe that. And you're free to believe that. I just don't believe that's what it should be called. I believe there are those experiences that they are real. I believe that in D.L. Moody's life. I believe that in uh, Spurgeon's life. I believe that in many lives, but I do not believe that is what is equated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that is a fresh sanctifying work of God where he sets us apart to a deeper walk with him into another level of closeness and intimacy with Christ. But he says, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is something God does for us. We may or may not feel it. Just as he chose us, that's right, he selected us before the foundation of the world. You mean God knew all about this before he ever formed the world? He's God, isn't he? That shouldn't surprise you. And that we should be holy. This is what he wants us to understand. God saved us not to be happy, not to get everything we want, not to live a life of name it and claim it, but a life of holiness, of being set apart without blame so nobody could point a finger at us. God help us. We are to be holy and without blame before him in love. Here's that phrase again, in, in, in. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. The word predestined in the New Testament is always in relation to those who are saved, never lost. Not predestined to hell. Always it is in reference to those who are saved. We are predestined to adoption. Now, the word predestined is the word pro-horizo, pro and horizo. Horizo is the horizon. In other words, God has already marked our way. God has already laid out our destiny. The horizon is that part where we say the sun and the earth comes in. In other words, as far as we can see, as far as the human eye can see, and even beyond in God's heart, God has laid out a destiny for you and for me. And that is that we are going to be adopted into the family. And he did this before the world began. And he has predestined us that we're going to make it. He's predestined us that we're going to be like Jesus. He's predestined us that everything that happens in our lives, God is going to use for his glory and for our good. And so he has done all of this. And again, it's according to the good pleasure of his will. You say, what does that mean? Well, I'm not sure. 
I've been studying the Word of God nearly 50 years, and I'm not sure what His good pleasure means. And by the way, I don't have to. I don't have to understand the deep imponderables of God. All I need to do is accept it, receive it, bless the Lord for it, and live in the goodness of God's blessings. And he does all of this to the praise of the glory of his grace, of his grace. That is God doing for us what we could never do, what we could never earn, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. It is in grace that we are saved. It is in grace that we are kept saved. It is in grace that one day we shall be saved from the very presence of sin and we will be glorified. We'll know him even as we are known as he knows us. He will allow us to be with him forever. In him we have redemption. It's always in him. In him we have redemption and he gives us the means whereby that's made true through his blood. We have forgiveness. That is, God has truly forgiven us. We have redemption. He's bought us out of the slave market of sin. He's paid for us. What? Do you not know that you are bought with a price? You don't belong to yourself? Yes, he's bought us. He owns us. You say, well, I don't want to be owned by any man. Well, he's not just a man. He is God Almighty, and I want to be owned by him. I want to, I want to live in him. I want to be protected by him. In him, we have redemption through his blood, and that's the forgiveness of sins. All of this is according to the riches of his grace. Again, grace, 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 marvelous grace, grace that is greater than all my sin, which he made to abound toward us, in wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, the mysterion, something that was hidden but now made plain. According to, look at it again, look at it again, it says, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times. There's our word again, oikonomos, oikonomia. It is the word for one who was the steward of the house. Yes, that is a house servant. No, no, no. This is more than that. This is the way God manages. You see, the word stewardship comes out of that word oikonomia, which means the way something is managed, not just the person themselves, but the way that the master set up for things to be run and to, to operate and to be administrated. You see, God dealt with specifically the Jewish people to get us to Jesus, to bring about the breaking down of the wall, the middle partition between Jew and Gentile, so that all could be saved in Christ, in Jesus. But that dispensation will come to an end, and there will be a great time of tribulation before the Messianic era. And then Messiah will come, Messiah Jesus. He will set all things right, and he will restore the kingdom to Israel. You say, where'd you get that? The Bible, the Bible, both the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the Berit Hadashah, the New Testament. The new covenant, this is what it talks about. The restoration of God's people Israel and the salvation of not only they, but all of us. And so he says that God is doing this in the fullness of times. That's right. This dispensation, this epoch and era in which we are living is called the fullness of times. It's the opportune time. The word kairos is the word for time that is used here, not chronos, but an occasion. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those of us who are under the law. 
That's Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. We are living in the dispensation, in the epoch, in the era, in the way God manages things, in the fullness of time. Kara comes from the word kara, which means to bring to a head. That's right. You see, God has brought everything to a head during these days. In other words, this is the time and the season, the dispensation for the last 2,000 years when in Jesus Christ, God is bringing about his will and the fullness that he designed all along. And the scripture says, for those of us who first trusted in Christ, we are to be his praise. We are to give him praise. We are to exhibit his praise all for his glory. Verse 13 says, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. And that's how we're saved. Anyone, everywhere, anytime. You see, you have to understand the truth in order to be saved. You're not saved any other way than through the gospel. It is the gospel of your salvation, that Jesus died as a substitute for your sin. He was buried, and he's alive today. He's been resurrected. In whom also, having believed, Paul said, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee, the earnest money, the down payment? He is our promise, the seal that we will be redeemed, that God has bought us. And again, all of this is so that we will be to the praise of his glory. We'll live to the praise of his glory. We will praise him and his grace and glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints. You see, these two go hand in hand together. I hope you're getting the heartbeat of God here, that when we claim to be followers of Jesus, we must love people, not some heavy-handed, judgmental, you step out of line, God's going to zap you, and we're going to shun you. No, no, no. That is the spirit of bondage, the spirit of evil, the spirit of condemnation. And so the scripture says that the Lord has bought us, he has redeemed us, and that we are to love him, trust him, and love all the saints. God is pleased with this. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the assurance of his calling, the hope, what are the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places. Now, Jesus is far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, the fullness of time, but also in that which is to come. And listen to this. And the Father has put all things under his feet. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. And gave him to be the head of all things to the ecclesia, the called out body. This is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's bless the name of our God. 
in the morning, noontime, in the evening, all throughout the day. May his name be praised as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.